Welcome to the Tingo Investing Podcast, where we teach you how to make a better investment and retirement portfolio. Our goal is to explain everything from basic to advanced concepts in plain language that you can understand, whether you are a beginning investor or a professional. All right, everyone, this is the Q&A section of the Tingo Podcast. Now, I'm doing something a little bit different here in that maybe once a week, every two weeks, we're experimenting now. I'm going to take some questions from my listeners who often ask me things. I'm going to address them in this weekly or bi-weekly podcast. Now, I'll typically answer a couple questions, but in the starter one, I'm just going to answer one question because it's something I get asked a lot and actually takes a lot of time to discuss. And so every so often, an individual, a student, or somebody trying to break into Wall Street shoots me a message and says, hey, can I speak to you for a second? And they ask me, so how can I get into Wall Street? And oftentimes they don't have the typical financial background, so they, they're they not certain. You know, if you go to university, you study finance, often that program will have ways to get you a job on Wall Street or that type of thing. But if you were like me and didn't have that sort of background, it's very difficult to sort of figure out what you need to do. And I'm going to share my experience of how I ended up on Wall Street. And the main reason is, is I think it's a lesson of never stop hustling, never give up, because it took me a long time to get where I finally wanted to be. And I'm going to share with you this experience. And I think more often than not, TV, radio, or even podcast personalities tend to be very confident. And we think of them as these incredible people who just crush it at life. You know, people see me and they see that I was successful at what I did on Wall Street at my hedge fund. And they assume that I just crushed it all the time. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be vulnerable a bit. And by the end, you will be like, wow, if Rishi could do it, I really have no idea why anybody couldn't. And that's the message I want to cross. So um, to begin my story, I actually started off doing chemistry research in a chemistry lab, um, computational chemistry lab, because I was like a huge sort of science geek. I was a science geek and I liked computers and I thought computers and chemistry are awesome. And it was pretty awesome. Um, but the thing was, is I would have a two-hour commute each way and back, and I was also trying to think of ways to pay for college, so I started reading some trading books, and I would have two hours each way to read trading books. And as I read trading, I was like, oh, this is a cool hobby to do on the side, but my whole life I had thought, I want to be a doctor, or I want to do a PhD program in chemistry, I and mean, it was like the love of my life. And then suddenly as I started doing more trading books, I started reading them. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to open up a broker account and finally invest this money I've been saving up. So I did, and I was immediately hooked. But the problem was I was going through this identity crisis. Everyone thought I was going to be this like chemistry geek. I thought I was. Things were just going wonderfully in terms of chemistry. But I felt myself getting not tired of it, but very sort of distracted from it. My focus was now becoming on markets. I was now subscribed to two or three financial publications, newspapers, like Barron's, Wall Street Journal, and Financial Times, and I would just read them every day. And I was thinking like, you know what would be kind of fun? Would be like, well, what if I built a trading platform? Like I didn't know much about high-level programming. The type of program I did was like web programming. So I'm like, you know what, let me teach myself this. And I built this like really quick, off-the-cuff, Um, trading program and it was awful it was like the worst thing I'd ever seen and it didn't really work so I I go up to people in my chemistry lab and I say hey I'm working on this side project and they were all surprisingly receptive you know Um, they were like okay well let's plan out like how we can make this better and so you had people in a chemistry lab teaching me how to build a better uh, chemistry program 
So I continued to do chemistry research for like another year. And one of the scientists comes up to me. He's like, Rishi, it, it kind of seems like your interest is shifting into trading. And I was like, well, you know, what, you don't want to tell your employer you're no longer um, as interested in the topic as you once were. But these were some of the nicest people in the world and the brightest I had worked with. So I was honest. I said, yeah, it's something I'm considering, you know, still an undergrad. And they were very understanding about it. And they said, you know who would be good to talk to? David Shaw. He is this big hedge fund guy who now does computational chemistry research. And for those of us who don't know what D.E. Shaw and company is, I didn't. And if you don't have a financial background or a hedge fund background, you probably won't know who he is. But he started this fund. David Shaw started a company called D.E. Shaw and company, which is a quantitative hedge fund um, that was at one point one of the top five largest quantitative hedge funds. They manage billions of dollars. And David Shaw himself, the founder, is a billionaire. Now, he took his billions of dollars and he decided to invest it in computational chemistry research. So coincidentally, you had this um, hedge fund manager who was now researching what I was doing. And I don't know, some part of me was like, you know what, I'm just going to email him. Like, I'm like, he's a billionaire. He's probably going to have no idea uh, I'm messaging him. And so I find his email address and I shoot him an email and I get no response. And at this point, I guess I'm not feeling too sad because I know that it was like a long shot until a week later. It turned out David was coming to my area to give a, a talk at a conference. And the email, I'll never forget, it was by his secretary and it she said that he apologizes for getting back to you so late. He didn't have access to email, but he would love to meet you. He won't have time for coffee, but he'll like to meet you. And I was just floored. I'm like, wow, like, a billionaire took time to respond to me. I'm like, this is like my first attempt. And I just want to have a conversation with him and see if I should get into trading. I don't know what I want to do. And who knew like just one email would result in this. So I see him at the conference. And before I can even say hello, I reach out my hand. He's like, oh, you must be Rishi. And I was like, oh my God, he knows who I am. And then I realized like looking back on it, it's because I had a name tag that said Rishi on it. Um, but he was waiting for me and we had a conversation and he just stopped. He was like, everyone wanted to talk to him because he was doing really cool breakthrough chemistry research. But he like spent some time aside with me and just conversing with me about what I wanted and things like that. And he told me, you know, if you want to do chemistry, you can always get back into chemistry. Try something different. And he was very encouraging. And at the end, I'll never forget. I'm like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And he looks at me. He's like, nobody's ever asked me that before. And to me, that was like the weirdest thing, right? Because if you're reading trading books, you're into trading, you want to break into it. And this billionaire agrees to meet you at a conference. You want to take a picture of that. Um, this was pre-selfie days before selfies became a thing. So it wasn't a selfie, but it was um, one of my Facebook pictures for a long time. So at the end of the conversation... David Shaw is like, hey, do you want an interview? And at this point, my jaw is dropping. Now, I'm a sophomore in college at this point, And I'm just like, oh my god, I would love an interview. And I had never really interviewed for anything like this before. Uh, I had interviewed for my chemistry lab, but that was a much different experience. I had never been through a Wall Street interview. So I go in the next day feeling really confident. I'm like, okay, you know, the head of HR calls me. And she's like, so how do you know David? She's like, he personally called me to tell me to give you an interview. And I was like, oh, I just met him at a conference. She's like, okay, well, let's set you up. And typically, I, it seemed that they only took juniors in college for a summer internship, not a sophomore. But I thought, you know what, let me try to do it anyway. 
So I have the interview and things could not have gone more horribly. I had never done this interview process. I was asked brain teasers, these math questions. I had no idea what I was doing. And they didn't give me even a second round interview. And I thought I was so sad. I thought, man, if the CEO of a company of a billion dollar hedge fund can't get me hired, I have no hope. And I like moped around for a while, but I eventually picked myself back up and I was like, you know what? I really want to do trading. This is what my heart's calling me to do. I know I've had these great experiences in chemistry. I'm not going to let this one experience uh, break me down. So have you ever really wanted something in life so much? I mean, think back to a time where you really, really wanted something. Maybe it was to win this game at a sport you play. Maybe it was to get these grades you wanted, or maybe it was to get this job or promotion you wanted, but you really, really wanted something. Or maybe it was to get that girl you eventually end up marrying or that guy you end up eventually marrying. Well, for me, at this point, it was trading. I was going to do nothing, nothing to stop trading. And the thing is, is when you have a background that's not the typical financial track, you can find ways to hustle your way in. And in fact, we'll get to this in a moment, but it turns out a lot of Wall Street is looking for people who don't have that typical financial background because they want different perspectives. The industry is changing and they want people to help change it. Anyway, so back to our story. So at this point, I am like, what do I do? Who do I reach out to? I'm like, well, if David Shaw, a billionaire, will have time for me, I'm just going to email and call as many hedge fund people as I can. So I ended up going online and I was in Virginia at this time. I got a list of hedge funds in Virginia and I cold called each and every one of them. I emailed them. I probably called about 60 of them and probably three of them ended up replying. Now, when I say called 60 of them, I also mean like called, emailed, like did everything I could and still only three got back to me. And my general rule of thumb is, is if you're trying to get a job you want, don't stop until they say no. Now, don't stalk. I don't want you to go stalking a celebrity or something and then blaming it on me. Like, you told me, you know, keep doing it until you say, like, oh, don't stalk me. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you want something, keep keep having perseverance because it's not that people don't want you. It's that they're busy with their own lives. So don't take their no response as rejection. And this is something I had to learn the hard way. I had to... I initially felt every of those 60 emails of the 57 that didn't reply to me, I felt like each one of them was a rejection saying I wasn't good enough. That's not it. People just have their own lives. So those three that responded, one wanted me to share with them the best idea for a potential internship. The other was located near my college campus and the, and the fund manager said, here, I'll just meet you up on campus. I'm familiar with that school. I'll just meet you there. So he does. He meets me in the dining room and I'm like floored. And not only that, he brings another analyst, somebody who works under him to have a conversation with me. And his analyst also went to the same university, but he went through a graduate program and they start talking to me and they're like, so what do you want? And they're trying to help me get to figure out what I want. And at the end of it, he's like, oh, by the way, you know my son. And I'm like, oh, who's your son? He tells me whose son is. And turns out I had interviewed him, his son, for a student organization I was a part of. And just a small world, you know. Um, So the second lead, the guy who met me up, he didn't have a job available for me. So now I met two people. One is saying they may hire me, but they still want to they want me to send my best idea over And then the third, I actually reached out to a mutual fund company in um, Florida called uh, Fairhome Capital. Now, for those of you who don't know who Fairhome Capital is, is that they are possibly considered one of the top performing mutual funds. They take very concentrated bets. uh, One of their portfolio takes very concentrated bets. And the founder is Bruce Berkowitz, who's known to be just um, an incredible mind and have a great process.
I'm not recommending his mutual fund. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he's well known in the industry. So I cold called them and somebody gave me a lead. Somehow they replied to me. Surprisingly, Fairholme was probably the most um, uh, accessible even though I was in Virginia and they were in Florida. So they have a conversation with me. And at this point, I had read a ton of books on trading. I'd read a ton of books on stock analysis, security analysis, probably like 20 or so books because I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. And I call them and the guy's like, okay, well, how about this? How about you put together a research idea and you send it over to me? So the next couple of weeks, I put together a research idea and I'm really excited because I've used all this knowledge I learned from security analysis. That's a book who was written by um, Warren Buffett's teachers, Graham and Dodd. And I've used some of these tactics. I'm really pumped. So I call him up. I go through my analysis and he's like, well, you pretty much did it wrong. Like you don't really understand these accounting concepts. And now I'm feeling dejected again. But what he said after that amazed me. He's like, but I love how you're not willing to give up. I love how you don't know what you're you know, doing fully, but you're trying to learn, you're reading all these books. And then he said to me, truth be told, you probably won't get much from our internship, but how about this? How about when you're looking to apply for a job, you come back to us? And I was like, whoa, like a full-time job, that would be awesome, but that's a year from now. What am I supposed to do until then? So now I'm back. I reached out to 60 people or so, three of them got back to me and I still have nothing yet. And at this point, you can just imagine the amount of rejection and sadness I was facing, just sort of moping around. Uh, my family, my sister, my friends are just sort of trying to pick me back up. And it's like, well, I'm leaving chemistry. I'm not doing anything in finance. What am I doing with my life? Like, what am I, what's going to happen? And, you know, looking back, I'm like laughing and, and smiling about it now. But at the moment, it's going to be tough. Like, if you're trying to break into Wall Street without a traditional background, it's going to be tough. And on top of this, I decided to um, make up my own major at school I went to. And to do that, you have to take three advisors. I took one advisor from the computer science department, one from the undergraduate business school department, and one was part of my program. But the one from the undergraduate business school, I was really excited because if anyone was going to get me a break into Wall Street, it would be this guy. He's a professor in, um, in the financial sector and financial engineering. So I'm like really excited. And I go to him, I'm like, hey, can you be my advisor? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. He's like, but I think you're going to have a lot of difficulty finding a job. I mean, honestly, your major is very out of the norm and you're probably going to have a lot of difficulty. And this made me sad, but in my heart, I just wanted to do it. And I just, I don't know, I guess I just did it. And so I kind of went against his advice and I did it. But that choosing of the major ended up being one of the best decisions I made because like I said, people on Wall Street are often looking for non-traditional people, especially in the trading world. And during any, every one of my interviews, like, oh, can you tell me about that? And they loved it. So sometimes your professors may be wrong, okay? And just, you have to do what you feel is right. Anyway, that's jumping ahead. So now I'm with this major, my professor told me no one will want. I've reached out to 60 people. No one's, it hasn't really led to anything. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to keep searching. And turns out there is this hedge fund manager in the town I'm in. And he's becoming like a big guy. There are articles written about him, all this sort of stuff. I realize he's probably my like last hope if I want to continue being in school and also work. And I reach out to him. No response. I call him. No response. I call the office. No response. They call him and finally they say, okay, send us an email. I send him an email. No response. I call him again and finally like, oh yeah, send us an email again. I send another email and this happened over a period of like two or three months. Um, it wasn't like I was calling every day. 
And then finally I get an email back saying, hey, you, someone in our firm is interested in you. Can you answer these questions? And they gave me like four or five essay questions to answer. And I'm like, what? Seriously? And the questions were based off this um, prediction competition that started when I was in third grade. And the prediction competition was, have you, did you participate in this co uh, competition? If so, what was your algorithm? And I had, I was in third grade. I'm like, how am I supposed to reply to this? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the perspective. Well, if the competition was today, what would I do? And I sent an email and I got uh, a letter back saying the fund manager would love to meet you. And I was ecstatic. Now, at the same time, I had just heard back from uh, Goldman and Goldman wanted to interview me for a trading internship. So I have this, I now have two amazing opportunities and I'm really excited. So the Goldman opportunity, that was first. I go in and this is when I realized I only truly want to do trading. So I, I had coded up some uh, trading things. So I was trying to teach myself how to program, how to um, build trading models, how to do analysis of stocks and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sitting and the, there are two people from Goldman interviewing me in a room. And they're like, oh, can you tell me about it? And I suddenly was now on my hands and knees on a table writing all this sort of stuff about how my trading model works, what I'm doing, and like my, my suit jacket's off and I'm literally not seated at all. My knees are touching the ground and I'm working on a table like you would see a toddler coloring in a coloring book. And I look back and I see a smile on the two interviews' faces and I quickly realize I've committed a huge social faux pas. Like, this is not how you're supposed to be in an interview. You're supposed to like keep your tie on, be formal, and here I am like grinding away and like my two, my tie is now loose. And that's when I realized like trading gave me the same excitement as I got when I was younger. And that's why I just loved it. And so they flew me to New York and now I'm in New York interviewing at Goldman. Like this is going to be my dream job, my big break. So I go in and the interview experience could not be any more different. I'm trying to show that I'm smart. I'm trying to show that I'm what Goldman wants. And then finally the, one of the desk heads at Goldman stops me and he's like, Rishi, look like, dude, I know you're smart enough. We took you to New York. I don't care about that. I just want to know if I like you. I mean, I'm going to be sitting next to you 14 hours a day. Do you like, are you likable? And then they didn't give me the job. And it hit me that like, wow, I'm not a likable person. But it turns out if I had interviewed myself then, I would not be, I would not like myself because I was nervous, full of this nervous energy, just wanted to prove myself rather than be who I wanted to be, or rather than be the person I am. This is single-handedly the greatest interview advice I've ever gotten. If you were interviewing for a Wall Street company and they fly you to New York, the best advice I got is they probably know you're smart enough because they put money to fly you over. They're truly trying to decide if they just like hanging around with you. So don't try to be overly impressive. Be confident, say who you are, but don't try to be impressive. Just be yourself and be likable. Just be you know, you yourself are likable. I think it's when we have fears and concerns is that we become less likable. Anyway, so now I'm back and I have no Goldman interview. That was my, that was the end of the recruiting season. But that week I got a call from that hedge fund manager and he's like, Hey Rishi, I actually had a different idea. I am starting a tech startup. Do you want to, do you want to join? Do you want to be the first employee at this tech startup? And suddenly my whole world opened up to this opportunity that I hadn't even thought of. Wait, I've been focusing so much on trading. What about tech? Like I get to start a tech company with this hedge fund manager. I get to be the first employee. I'm so excited. And that year turned out to be one of the most transformative years. I took that offer instantly. 
I got to be inc around incredibly intelligent people. And one of the um, management people of this tech, st tech startup was a former Wall Street guy. And they're sharing with me all these stories, all these cool things. And I know now more than ever. And once I knew this, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to apply for a Wall Street company and I'm going to get it. So the first interview I had for my, I was now a senior in college. The first interview I had was with Citibank. I crushed it because I was like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to get. And I'm not going to take no for an answer. I came in with that interview process and the interview guy just started grilling me. He's like, you're not in finance. Like, do you even know what this is? He asked me what one of my favorite stock was. And I told him at the time, one of them was Barnes and Noble. And he said, oh, Barnes and Noble was on the front cover of the Wall Street Journal. What was the article about? And I remember the interview was at 8 a.m. or like 9 a.m., an early hour. And right before I left, I quickly glanced at the Wall Street Journal and then put it aside. And I remember reading the headline and that's when he smiled. And then he said, wait, do you have a family member that works in finance? And I'm like, no, my dad is in the new housing sector and my mom owns a salon. And he just smiled because he assumed I knew this knowledge because my parents were in finance. And then at that point, I knew that they were going to take me to New York. But I want to share with you, like breaking in was not an easy process. It was literally one of the hardest hustles I've ever put together. The countless rejections I faced, the almost getting there, the almost being in New York at the last round and then being like, no, we don't like your personality. Um, all these sorts of things were wonderful learning experiences. And so I'm going to condense uh, what you can do in these sort of final points. One, just never stop hustling. If somebody doesn't tell you no, keep asking them for a job, keep asking them for a conversation, keep discussing ideas with them until they tell you I'm busy or I'm sorry, that's not what we're looking for right now. Uh, two, don't be afraid to cold email. This is sort of, a, I guess, a sub point, but keep your email short. You know, people are very busy. Sort of have a call to action. Be like, hey, if you have maybe half an hour of your time. And if you're a student, stress that you're a student because people in industry love talking to students. And if you're not a student, if you're trying to do a career shift, just ask for a conversation and people love hearing about themselves. So shoot them an email and say, hey, I've read this about you. I'm interested in this. And then give them additional ideas. People love discussing ideas. So you want it to be a two-way conversation and do everything you can. So never stop hustling. Don't be afraid to cold email. Don't be afraid to cold call. And don't let your self-worth be tied into what others think of you. Know that every opportunity where someone says no is an opportunity to improve yourself. You know, And also know that when you meet these people, and they say no, and you're like, I want, I want to be this person. Well, think to yourself, well, you don't want to be that person. You are that person. You don't want to be someone who ends up on Wall Street. You are somebody that's going to end up on Wall Street. And when you put yourself in that mindset, you'll start doing things. You'll be like, you know what? I'm going to be the type of person that I'm going to be the person who ends up on Wall Street. And this is what somebody who ends up on Wall Street does. And I see this all the time when I've interviewed candidates um, all or interviewed them for jobs or scholarships and it's the same thing. You have a group of people who say, oh, I want to be a doctor. Or they say, I want to be on Wall Street. And then you ask them, okay, well, what have you done to be on Wall Street? What have you done to be a doctor? And they're like, well, I'm taking pre-med courses or I'm taking finance courses. Cool. So are thousands and thousands of other people. Probably tens of thousands of other people are doing this. Who cares? And then there's some people who say, I want to be a doctor. And then they say, I want to be, or they say, I want to be on Wall Street. And then you ask them, okay, what have you done? And they say, well, I'm doing research in a lab. I'm interning at a, I'm volunteering at a hospital. I'm meeting with patients. I'm shadowing a doctor 
or they might say, oh, I'm meeting with any as many people as I can on Wall Street. I'm interviewing different traders. I'm coding up a trading strategy on my own. I have a portfolio of companies I've researched, and here's my research. Now, you want to be in the latter group. You don't want to just say, hey, I want to be on Wall Street. You got to just hustle. You got to work hard. You got to show that you want to be there. And even after you do all that, you're going to get rejected a ton if you haven't heard from my story. But all you need is one person to believe in you. That's it. And you need one person who believes in you, likes you, and is willing to mentor you. And I can just tell you, once I got my foot in the door, things rapidly changed for me. And suddenly I felt in a comfortable environment. Um, I moved to a fund and I just felt really at home. I got to work with some very talented people and I had a lot of fun. So the hardest part for me was getting my foot in the door. And that's probably going to be the hardest part for many people if you don't come from a financial background. So I know this is a long podcast um, about breaking into Wall Street, how I did it. But this is a question um, a few people from my online community have called me about. And I have no problem. If you want to talk to me one-on-one about landing a job on Wall Street, shoot me an email, rishi at tingo.com, R-I-S-H-I at T-I-I-N-G-O.com. The fact is, if you made it to the end of this episode, it means that you want to listen, you do care, and I love to help people like that. Um, Typically, I'll ask, you send me your resume, you send me your current, what you're studying, things you've done, and I may just shoot you an email back or we can schedule a call if it's a little bit more complicated. But this is something I truly love enjoying to do, and I hope you'll really take me up on this offer. Um, Just know nothing is impossible. You got this. And I've spent, um, I've probably spoken to four or five people in my online community about this. And I typically have phone calls that range from 30 minutes to an hour. And then sometimes I'll do mock video interviews. And I do this um, because I knew this would be really helpful for me to do. Uh, It's not something I charge for, but um, if I get a lot of requests, I'll have to figure out a way to filter it. I won't be charging, but I may have to, you know, do things to limit it. But Don't let that stop you. Be the first person to email me. Be the first person to be like, hey, I want a phone call from you. And I'll pretty much do everything I can just short of getting you a job because that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how you can get the job that you want. All right, everyone. Thank you. Um, This is actually one of my favorite questions to answer uh, because I get to talk about myself and my struggles and I get to be vulnerable. And I think that's what makes us human. So the following um, weekly Q&As are going to be more about sort of market topics. And if some of them are personal, so be it. But some of them are going to be talking about like topics like, okay, well, what, what about real estate? What should I do with real estate? How does that fit into my portfolio? Or what should I do about things like, um, how do I know if a market move is significant? The market moved, let's say, 1% one day. Does that actually mean anything? Like, why does the media get excited? So these are types of questions I'll be answering going forward, and I'll be making them accessible. All right, guys, thanks for everything. And like I said, my email is rishi at tingo.com, R-I-S-H-I at T-I-I-N-G-O.com. I look forward to hearing from your feedback.